This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. I'm still reeling from this. 30-minute driving to work normally wouldn't complain about it because flying through traffic, no lights, all good. Got to the station, was able to get a little 10-minute power nap, get me charged and ready for the show. Played softball earlier, didn't get hurt. That's my biggest concern when I when I'm playing sports these days. The lower extremity injuries. Got hurt playing ball. Someone zazad me a couple years ago. Really, really, really badly injured my ankle. Year after that, playing football, game-winning touchdown, pulled my groin. Couple weeks later, came down after trying to intercept a pass. Damn near fractured my ankle. So basketball, football, softball, the, the lower extremity injuries always haunt me. So today... Was able to get out there unscathed. Made a couple plays in the field. Went two for four you know, at the plate. And it was all good. So I come to work, flying through traffic. Or no traffic existed. Flying through the streets, no lights. And as I sat in my parking spot, I'm thinking, damn, man, if this was Mother's Day weekend, I would have been sitting in traffic for two and a half hours. Restaurants, you call them up like, hey, can I make a reservation? Nah, you don't need a reservation. You could just pull up in here. Ain't nobody got reservations this weekend. Fathers, so us dads out here, we just taking L's. Just taking L's. So shout out to all the dads out there. Happy Father's Day if you're listening. And do that good thing. Call, call, call your dad. Call your grandfather. Call your uncle. Wish him a happy Father's Day. Just want to put that love and positive energy out into the atmosphere. And if you want to give a shout out to your pops... Maybe reminisce about a sports memory. Hit us up, 800-919-3776. Tidy Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Been a fun show so far. Ripped into the Yankees after that pathetic showing last night. What happened at Fenway Park, 15-5. to And they continue to look like a below-average team without Aaron Judge. Got on the Mets. They lost to the Cardinals today at home. A dreadful Cardinals team. So at best, they'll take the series, but it'll be just two of three which pales into comparison or pales in comparison to what you would have expected and hoped for this weekend against a really dreadful team. Then we got into the Knicks conversation. Who are you targeting in free agency? Who are you targeting via the trade? You can't just tell me we re-sign Josh Hart, run this thing back, we're all good. You got to make a splash. I want to talk to the Knicks fans and see what you guys are thinking. 800-919-3776. We go to Harlem. Talk to Floyd. Hey, how you doing? We talk to Floyd. Floyd. Thanks, thanks for having me. Hey, man, listen. I think quickly he should go. You can trade him, and you can get rid of Julius Randle and get somebody like Adebayo because for one thing— Miami's quickly, not trading him, Floyd. They just went to the finals. So? No, he was, he was arguably their best player in that finals against True. the Nuggets. Why are they trading him? He's young. He's, he's an incredible— uh, perennial all-star center, why, why would they ever even think about trading him? Because of a, there's a such thing as an offer you can't refuse. No, it doesn't make sense. That does not make sense. They're actually, okay. they are actually one of the teams vying for Bradley Beal. They are looking to upgrade their roster. Okay. Well, well what's his name? Um, Robinson, he's a good defender, but we need an offensive center. I hear you, man, but it's just 
you're, you're kind of at the mercy of what is on the market right now, which, you know, it's funny. You bring up you need an offensive center. So 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 the Wizards are, are in a fire sale right now. Bradley Beal being shopped. You know, Kyle Kuzma's going to be out of there. How about a little reunion with Kristaps Porzingis? Would that would that interest you? Nah, not really. Cause he's not a he, he's not an inside player. He's not a high percentage player. But he's a he's, know, a he's a scoring big that you so desperately covet. But 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 that's that's something that we gotta hope for. We need a center that's gonna clog the middle, play defense, get rebounds, and gonna be a tough scorer. I hear you, man. I appreciate the call, Floyd. That that that's a funny one that I've seen float around on Twitter. So Kristaps has a a $36 million player option for the final season with the Wizards. He's uh, 28 right now. And <laughs> there is a conversation to be had about whether or not Nick fans would be interested in a reunion with Chris Stapps Porzingis. Didn't end well with the whole not going to the exit meeting, Phil Jackson getting traded away. You know, the relationship seemed like it soured over time. But, you know, despite the fact that he came into booze after he was drafted because Nick fans didn't want him, or at least those who were present, I believe it was at the Barclays Center when the draft was there, he came in and did pretty well for the team. He was an all-star. The injuries were a problem. But all things considered, he, he performed pretty well here in New York before the exodus. Uh, we go to Brooklyn. Talk to Jose. What up, Jose? What up, Ty? Good afternoon. What's up, man? Uh, Oh, just wanted to get some um, talking points here because I see here that you're uh, we're talking about the Yankees earlier and talking about the Knicks possibilities on certain trades. So just uh, go over that and first wanted to say um, ahead of time, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Yes, sir. And, Thank uh, you. Show the fathers some love, man. We're not getting enough love, love in these Lord. streets. And ju- and just for the extra love, um, since since I grew up in a stepfather background, um, happy happy Father's Day to the stepfathers as well, because you guys do a great job as well. Um, my thing is with the with with, with I, I thank you for the Yankee Yankee points because you know I I, I know you've been hearing me tirade the Yankees and talking about the expectations because I'm not for the you know, rationale of normalcy of losing just because we haven't been, you know, been to the World Series, just because we have, um, we're not suffering like other organizations. We're not at other organization standards. We are at the highest level of form of standards. And one of the things that got me very annoyed, and I know you heard, heard Alan Hahn, you know, the Yankees are in danger of becoming like the Dallas Cowboys, where we're just relevant just during the regular season and then just losing in the play, uh, flaming out of the playoffs every year and that's not something that's you know typical with the yankee tradition um and as far as for the nick point just to pretty much hurry it up along um i, I i'm not a ver- I, I am all for trying to see what you know who's out there and trying to see how we can improve the team but all the flaws that you just mentioned kind of just makes me a little hesitant because this is too much of an important stage for the Knicks to invest on the wrong move. We can't just say get a, a, a Damian Lillard and have it stylistically be a nightmare in the offensive backcourt and then get exposed in the playoffs and then frustrate ourselves. And now we lost a lot of young assets that we could have possibly used for for even bigger and superstar possibly in the future. So that that's kind of my little concern with, you know, trying to play this 
weight gain, but also trying to improve because yeah. I also do see both sides of the argument. But I know you're a Laker fan and you have a different expectation of, you know, winning every year as opposed to the Knicks. But, I, I, you know, I don't I don't want I don't think that the Knicks are at the Lakers the Knicks will never be at the Lakers level when it comes to trying to build a no, championship but, team. No, it's not about so that. Why, so that's kind of why I'm uh, I'm a little hesitant towards it. It's not about that, and I appreciate the call, Jose. Uh, on the Yankee point, I made it earlier, and I was very clear. Not a means to be disrespectful or to, to dismiss anyone's feelings but I cannot have you dictate how I should feel about my baseball team that I watch, especially when there's a different standard. And when you come back with, well, you're mad that they're not winning every year. No, that's, that's where you go to an extreme to try to make it sound like the argument that I have is not a valid one. It's not the Yankee fans are annoyed that their team's not winning every year. They're annoyed because since 2009, half the league has appeared in a World Series. And the most winningest franchise ever has not been part of that half the league. That's why they're annoyed. On the Knicks, not about building a quick championship team. It's just the reality that there are certain there are certain things you can accomplish in an individual season that will have you excited and optimistic. And you'll be fully entrenched into what it is that you're watching, what it is that you're consuming. But there is an element of taking the next step because simply getting to this point next year won't be good enough to satiate a hungry fan base. And that is the reality that you are staring at. So, no, don't go out there and compromise the entirety of your team and your future and make bad deals. But this notion that we can simply run it back and everyone is just going to get better and that means we're going to go further to me is a fallacy. So when I hear a name like a Zion floated out there, is it a high a high risk? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're a Nick fan, I, I get why that would cause you to have trepidation because similar to me being a Jet fan, you're like, you know, Ty goes to the runner, right? Ty goes to when things can go wrong, they typically go wrong for my team. And that's what happens. So it's it's finding a way to go out there and significantly improve, there is going to be a risk factor, but you're at the mercy of what teams are offering. If Zion Williamson is available, and it looks like he may become available at some point, you should absolutely be interested in that. See what type of package that is. He's on a max deal. He's still young. He's got a rich injury history. And he's got issues with his baby mothers. So uh, that's something that you got to account for. But... Would I take a chance on him? Absolutely. 800-919-3776. In 15 minutes, we're going to bring a guest on the program to talk Jets. So line them up. Line them up. Hit me up on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler. We're continuing to talk Knicks before we get into football, and then we'll make our way back to baseball. Ty Butler going until 10 o'clock right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. The BX Boogie Down, we talked to my guy, Buddha. What up, Buddha? Yo, what's going on? Happy Father's Day, kid. Yo, same to you and the family, man, all the dads that you know. Happy Father's Day to everyone. Yeah, I was feeling you on that tweet. That's why I answered you back. It is true, <laughs> man. Yo, it's crazy. <laughs> it's true. 
man. <laughs> it's crazy. We getting no love out here, man. Yeah, I mean, especially you know these days. You know, <laughs> father, I think a father is very important around. You know. Yeah, man. But what's up, man? What you got? All right, listen. I got the Yankees and 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 the Knicks. The Yankees is is is, is kind of short and sweet. Um, you know. There's a mirage that's taking place. Forget about Brian Cashman has a job for life and all. We all know that that's ridiculous. But there's a mirage that they're trying to sell us, you know, as fans. And it's you know, and it's basically based on the fact that that these wild cards that they have now, you know, from like '81, bro, to like '94, when they, you know, when they had the strike and all that. Yo, the, the Yankees didn't make the playoffs for like 13 or 14 years. And if they didn't have wild cards now. There would have been some playoff droughts in in in, in this. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. You know, so um, and they're trying to sell us about like they're competitive every year. I think a guy called you earlier, and he was a hundred percent right. The injuries, I, who, nobody wants to hear about. And Lonnie was talking too about the injuries. The, the injuries to me, they're relevant, but they're irrelevant because if the team presently constituted whole, no injuries, where were they going anyway? You're going to have another team with you, a year where you beat the Cleveland Guardians and you get slapped up yes. in, in the, you know, in the ALCS? Yeah. Where were they going? Yeah, it, it, the injuries, again, can be, it can be an accurate assessment of the situation. But when the same guys are getting hurt every year and it's a problem year after year after year, then we, we have to retire that as, as an excuse. They happen, sure, but... Uh, you made the, the point that, you know, what's the team's ceiling if everyone's healthy? We would love to see it. But based on recent memory, like, these guys get to the playoffs and they can't beat whoever the best team that is that year because they keep losing to them. Yeah, and you know what? The, 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 the Yankees have kind of stepped into the Mets world, especially when it comes into the playoffs of, you know, the Mets always, as, as, as you always remember, the Mets always had good starting pitching, but they didn't have any bats. And, you know... The, the, the Yankees now, they don't have any bats either. Not, not any bats you could depend on. Yeah, you know they I mean? should be, which bats. is crazy, right? Because you look at the, the names, these should be guys you, you can depend on. But it just hasn't it hasn't happened for whatever yeah. reason. Been a very been a, been a very disappointing, I would say, last since 2017. It's been very disappointing. And you, have, and you never really went into any of these seasons thinking that, that the Yankees were the, the, the team to beat, you know. But anyway... More interesting conversation, especially since it's not my team, is what you were talking about with the Knicks and the four guys that you mentioned. You wanted to power rank them. Uh, I don't know if I could power rank them. I mean, to me, of all of those guys, Dame Dollar is probably the best player, but they all have similar stuff going on. Dame started missing games a lot, too. Mm -hmm. um, Bradley Beals missed a lot of games. Zion Williamson, we know what it is with him. And Zach Levine has been injured a lot. Now, for the Knicks, realistically, you have to move on from R.J. Barrett. You have to move on from Obi Toppin. Uh, quickly, I think you might have to keep him because you don't have a backup point guard. But those are the two guys you have to get rid of. I mean, the league has already told you. When they wanted to do trades, they were asking for quickly. N nobody wants Julius Randle. I mean, I know you like him and everything like that. But he's the Knicks ankle bracelet. No nobody, is, nobody wants him. You're, you're stuck with him, you know, basically throughout his contract. So, you know, when you're looking at these four guys, you know, like I said, neither one, none of them have anything perfect, you know, in terms of them being a perfect fit for the Knicks. Dame Dollar, for instance, you can't have a backcourt of yeah, him, him and Brunson. It's small. tough. They're too small. That, that's not going to work out. He's not a defensive player. Really, none of those guys are defensive players. So you, you wonder how to meld with, 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 with Tibbs. 
Now, Zion Williamson, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. And it's not necessarily only because of the injuries. I don't like guys in sports, whether they're young or not, that don't take the situation or the gravity of being a professional, you know, like, like, like with, the, with the utmost esteem. You know, he's a guy to me that looks like he likes the NBA lifestyle, but I don't know if he loves basketball like that. I, and I can't take a risk on a guy like that. I mean, maybe down the road when things are bad for him and then he has to kind of work his way back into the league, he's going to understand, you know, all of the things that he needed to do. But, I, you know, you can't when you're an up-and-coming team like the Knicks, you can't take a risk on a guy like that. Bradley Beal. Obviously, you would want him. He's a plug-and-play. You get rid of R.J. Barrett. He'll be your two-guard. Injury history aside. But with his trade clause in his contract, why would he want to go to the Knicks over the Phoenix Suns or the Miami Heat? He would. So I don't really see that being a, real, a realistic option. Yeah. So we already knocked off Dame. We already knocked off Zion. And we already knocked off Bradley Beal, which leaves you with the fourth guy, the guy you want the least. But you actually have the best chance to get. Exactly. He's languished out there in in in, in um, Chicago. You know, uh, he only has a few years left of being a prime time player. He's not as young as people think he is either. And you know, and the injuries and all that different stuff. And then, see, this is the precarious position for the Knicks. If that's the guy you come away with out of these four guys, how much incrementally is he going to improve the team? You know, and then again, a guy who doesn't play defense. You know, the Knicks really. In, in my humble opinion, the way that they're going to get out of this is getting, and then I know their draft picks haven't been high, but sometimes you get a, a Giannis at, a, at a, whatever pick he was in the teens. They're going to have to do it that route. I, I don't really see them getting out of the crop of guys that are here this year. Levine is probably the one that they can get, but I just ask you, do you think that that really makes them marginally better than where they are? It makes them better, but it not it doesn't get you to – much past what your ceiling was this past year. Like with Levine and 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 Brunson and and Randall, you would assume that yes, they there will be a better team, but does it necessarily translate into you winning an extra round? I don't know because Milwaukee's going to be there. You would assume that Boston, even if they trade Jalen Brown, they're not trading him for picks. They're trading him to get something of value that's going to help Tatum, you know, still compete for championships. Miami looks like they might be on a bill, and they already beat you. So that's three teams right there. Philly could be in on Dame. We don't know what's going to happen with Harden, but if, if they could find a way to get Dame and B together, that's still a, a force to be reckoned with. So I, I don't know if it changes what your ceiling is, but it does make you better, at least on paper. Yeah, and see, that's why when you said the thing about whether they should stand pat, I would redefine it. I wouldn't say they should stand pat. But this not might not be the trade or free agent season where they're going to get the person who puts them over the hump like we agree that, that, that Levine wouldn't. So I might go get some more supplemental pieces that, you know, can give you a chance to compete a little bit better defensively because that's what your coach's identity is. And don't, don't get rid of people just for the sake of getting rid of them. If you can't really get what you're looking for, then this might not be the go-around. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? No, that, I feel that, you. I, look at it, I feel you, know? you. I feel you. And I appreciate the call, Buddha. I always love when you when you hop on and, and chime in. I understand that. I, I, I'm i looking at it from the standpoint of if you simply think that just running it back because your guys are going to get better means that you're going to take that next step, I, that's something I disagree with. But you also don't force it, right? Like you don't 
just trade for someone just for the sake of saying we we made a deal if it doesn't make sense. We go to Union, we talk to George. What up, George? Mr. Ty Butler, my very first time speaking with you. Let me start off by saying uh, I'm becoming a fan of yours. You sound like a very intelligent, young talent that is now behind the mic. I became familiar with you when you were, I believe, producing my girl Anita Mark show, but nonetheless, <laughs> thank you, man. I, I like I, I, your your assessment. You seem to be very thoughtful. With all due respect to your profession, where I think there's a lot of talking heads, you <laughs> seem to be rising above that. So thank you, man. I appreciate you. it. Now I look forward to, to seeing great things for you. Now, appreciate the my love, reason man. for calling, my friend. I missed your opening my uh, dialogue and your thesis in regards to the potential trades for the Knicks. With that being said, Buddha pretty much summarized it for me. So here's my thought process with this tie. I believe, based on this current administration, what they've demonstrated thus far is the ability to be patient, right? When their primary plan doesn't come to fruition, they appear to have a contingency plan to back it up. Granted, I'm not saying that they've argued that the Walker trade and the Fournier trade did not benefit us, but nonetheless, they've demonstrated some consistency from a coaching perspective, leadership perspective, of not overreacting. I want to hear your thoughts about that. And then I also have a question in regards to how we can get better. So I want to hear your your response to my first comment first. Uh, as far as, as you said, because you broke up a little bit, your phone went in, and out, went in and out. So what's the actual question? The actual question is, do you agree that this current leadership administration has demonstrated some consistency around patience from a coaching and leadership perspective? Yeah, they as have. To previous I, administrations where they overreacted. Yeah, they have. And I'll give them credit, especially last year. You know, obviously bringing in Jalen Brunson, that was the move of the offseason. That was the best move any team made in the offseason. And that worked wonders for them. The consistency with, you know, holding true and believing in the young guys that they had with Quickly and Toppin and Barrett, going to a younger rotation where you eliminated Fournier, you eliminated Derrick Rose, and you allowed guys like, you know, McBride to come in and, and have an impact and quit and grime. So, yes, and and—, and, and especially when a fan base was calling for Tom Thibodeau to, to get fired after they missed the playoffs. So, yes, I'll give them credit for all the moves they made last year that worked in concert with, you know, showing patience, staying true to what their plan was, and having it show and, and pay dividends for them last season. So, yes, that, that's something they deserve credit for. Excellent. Thank you. Fair enough. Second point, I, I do agree that we need to bring and improve merchandise for next year. Um, I, I guess I somewhat disagree with Buddha, your previous caller. I do believe that Levine would make us better, to your point. I, and I'm not sure if Buddha agreed with that or not. I do agree that Levine potentially would make the Knicks better. And my question is, because, Ty, if you look around the league, there are but so many stars and there are superstars to go around. What are your thoughts in regards if the Knicks get an additional Lavina, 1B, 2B, however you want to categorize them, player, and then expand on the bench, would you believe that would make us much more incrementally better by having at least one, two more B players and then expanding the, expanding the bench for more 
and even greater debt. I'll it, hang up and listen to your thoughts. I appreciate the call. Here's the thing, and it, it is a, a blueprint that has been tested and it's tried and true. You don't have one of the best players in the league. You don't have an all-time great player. You're not winning a championship. If that's the goal, then you need someone better than Jalen Brunson. And he still can get better than what he is now. Like last year, he showed the entire world that he has a level he can get to, and he's young enough where he is still ascending and getting to a point where he can dominate a playoff series, as he did in Dallas and as he did with the Knicks. You still need someone better than him. You still need a Giannis, a Jimmy, a, a Durant, a Steph, a LeBron. Like You still need one of those head honchos, all-time great players. So Zach Levine isn't that. You know, Bradley Beal isn't that. Zion Williamson one day can become that if he stays healthy. He certainly projects to be there. And, and we know what the, the, you know, the, the ceiling was for him coming out of Duke. But he has to stay healthy. You need to get one of those players. If it's Zach Levine and you're just adding him to the group, that's an upgrade, but it's not one that's significant enough to change what your ceiling is as far as you winning a championship. We have Paul Lesden Jr., Boy Green, joining us next to talk Jets. We'll get into that coming up right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Might be the first time I've, I've interviewed him on, on the, the Ty Butler Show. And it's my guy, Paul Lesden Jr. He goes by Boy Green. We worked together back in Syracuse, and now he's doing Morning Drive, uh, the Manchild Show with Boy Green in Syracuse. He's also the Jets digital reporter for Heavy Sports. Boy Green, man, it's been far too long. What's happening, my man? I couldn't agree more. Ty, gosh darn Butler, baby. Uh, well-named show, by the way. I'm a big fan. Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. And first and foremost, we got to start here. We, we used to do a Jet podcast together, and the theme really was us complaining about, you know, not having a quarterback, defense being bad, not having a head coach. GM might mm. be clueless. The organization is just going in the wrong direction. Every single year it got worse. But now... I mean, we've come a long way. We employ one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. We go into the season, I think, with the sixth best odds to win the championship. So things are certainly moving in the right direction. We could start there. The the When you heard Rodgers on with Pat McAfee says he told Green Bay his intention is to play for the New York Jets, you being a lifelong Jet fan, having to live through all of the chaos and all of the, you know, the horrid quarterback play, your immediate reaction when you heard Rodgers say that? I mean, obviously, it's surreal when he goes on a national program as he's been going on for several years to go on in front of that audience and say, of any team, obviously, he could have intended to play for anybody. But as soon as it was almost like he was unofficially traded that day, and it was a mere formality to figure out the rest, the formality taking a lot longer than the, we would have thought a couple of months later. But man, I mean, surreal. When one of the great, you mentioned it, one of the greatest quarterbacks, one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time says he intends to play for your organization. That obviously speaks to a culture shift from our Jets podcast days to a team that he believes is, uh, you know, capable of winning a championship with his presence on it. So absolutely surreal and obviously puts him immediately into the title conversation. And, and I thought that that was like such a, a fun, it was such a fun 
change to be a part of and witness. And it's what you just talked about. The Jets to go from a laughing stock. Salah's first year, that they had the worst defense in football, and he's supposed to be a defensive wizard. So that's a disaster. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you had you had like just terrible quarterback play with Zach Wilson. He's got mono, and he's getting benched. I mean, it was as bad as it could get. And then to have last year happen, where the defense is top five, you get the offensive rookie of the year with Garrett Wilson, and he was only the offensive rookie of the year because the other offensive rookie of the year, Brees Hall, got hurt. You had the defensive rookie of the year. You've got all this talent, you know, up and down the roster. The coach looks like he's like actually starting to solidify himself as someone who knows what the hell he's doing. Joe Douglas is, is you know, making magic in the draft. To go from where you were to where you are now speaks to where this organization has has become. My my question to you, Paul, is expectations. Because I have them in that second tier. Kansas City is Kansas City, and Cincinnati is also in, to me on that level with them. They had beaten them three straight times before they lost to them in the AFC Championship game. I have the Jets in that second tier with, like, Baltimore, with Buffalo, with Miami. Where do you have them? And, and where, So where do you have them, and what are the expectations you have next year? That's a very fair placement, Ty. I mean, in that second tier, I was watching Good Morning Football earlier this week, and they had these four categories of big dogs, you know, hovering, you know, TBD, and then they had, like, a final group of, like, it would be an incredible long shot for them to be in. Now, Good Morning Football put them in TBD. I thought that was somewhat disrespectful. I mean, immediately, I think, at a minimum, you're hovering with Aaron Rodgers, and there's some to be proven there. But to your point, there is the Chiefs in the number one category, and maybe they're in a category to their own, but I think you make an astute observation with the Bengals uh, having their numbers, so to speak, over the last couple of years. So, obviously, they deserve that placement as well. So, yeah, I have them basically in that second tier. But in the greater scheme, again, the Jets are in the title conversation. There's only a limited amount of teams. Robert Sala said it's six to eight teams when he spoke to the media this offseason that truly legitimately believe they can win a championship when they headed to the season. And I emphatically believe the Jets are one of those teams. They had a top-five defense last year. They had the 32nd-ranked uh, quarterback group. I might even argue 33rd. There's only 32 teams <laughs> in the NFL. That's how bad that quarterback position was last year. And you can't understate going from that abyss to jumping into, to me, I still think Aaron Rodgers is among the top five passes in the NFL, and I'd even argue top three. So you add that kind of dramatic shift, and they win seven games in spite of quarterback. Now all of a sudden you're winning games because of your quarterback. I think the Jets have to be in that conversation, but uh, obviously with the Jets' history, a lot of people uh, have to believe it to see it. And uh, for me, I, I don't have to. But when you have Aaron Rodgers... There's a lot of belief that immediately instill when that happens. We're talking to Paul Esden Jr., Boy Green. He does the Manchild Show with Boy Green in Syracuse. Also a Jets digital reporter for Heavy Sports. Listen, as great as the defense was, maybe we undersell it too because think about it. it the, the defense understood that every time they were on the field, they could not give up a score. Like the Jets were drawing dead if the defense allowed the opposition to score simply because the offense was not going to be able to to do anything of significance. I remember that game in New England. They had something like six Ugh. first downs all game. Six first downs. That was like one of the best defensive performances I've seen from the Jets in, in, a, in quite some time. So the, to lose it on a punt return just made me sick. But 
having them play to that level, despite not having any quarterback play, I mean, they deserve massive credit for that. And now this year, even if it takes a step back, because there is a natural like progression and regression, guys get hurt. Mm-hmm. Even if they take a step back, which you don't expect to be all that significant, even if they take a step back, you now have a quarterback who is able to overcome things that we haven't seen in the past. So I'm excited about it. But uh, with all the positivity we're, we're sharing, we do have to take the other side of it. And I, I pose mm. this question to you. Uh, what are your biggest concerns going into next year? Wow, uh, there's a few. Of course, we have to talk about uh, the elephant in the room at this point here in the middle of June is the Quinn and Williams situation. Uh, it's all positivity, honeymoon, hype. It's fantastic. But there's the Roscoe Diner Darrell Revis thing hanging over this team, and we'll see whether that will make it on national television with HBO. But, I, I mean, that's a big drama thing that's hanging in the air. The, the players on a daily basis are tweeting out, pay Quinn, pay Q and get this thing done. It seems easy for us on the outside. How the heck do you not pay this guy? The Jets haven't uh, had the luxury, I guess, for lack of a better word, to pay their own guys because they've been crappy at drafting. (laughs) And now they got this perfect guy to pay heading into the year, and they have uh, failed to do so uh, so far. They canceled mandatory minicamps, so they kicked the drama can, unlike the Buffalo Bills of the Stephon Diggs situation. So we have about another month and change for the Jets to figure this out. If they don't, this has the chance to mess around with the locker room. What if Quinnen doesn't show up to camp now? All of a sudden, all the honeymoon, wonderful feels we were just, you know, waxing poetic about goes out the window. So that's the number one for me, the Quinnen thing. You just got to pay the man. And once you do that, I think everything is all on course for the season. But obviously, the other big factoid is the offensive line. You have the Mackay Becton situation. You have Dwayne Brown. To me, I think Dwayne Brown is as locked in as the left tackle as you could possibly imagine. And Mekhi Becton doesn't want to play right tackle, so drama is up in the air. The only thing I will say, despite the fact I thought there was a potential for Mekhi Becton to rock the boat and maybe refuse to play right tackle because that's what he said in the Newsday interview, uh, Mekhi Becton, if we're just kind of studying the film in some of the videos we're seeing from practice, it looked like he was practicing at right tackle. No one had uh, confirmed that or established that, but that was just kind of my eye on the situation. So we may have a similar thing to last year when, where once training camp arrives, Mekhi's just going to play right tackle. The Jets better hope so it could be drama land. Uh, at one jet One thing, too, we got to mention is Robert Sala, Robert Sala. So, first of all, he, he said that the, the Quentin Williams contract is going to get done. So, until mm-hmm. I, 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 I hear you, I, I, I'm very anxious about the situation. And it is also funny, us at Jets fans, we always got so excited about having all this cap space. But what it really meant was that our team was so bad at drafting, we didn't want we didn't want the players that we drafted. So we had right. to go get everyone else's players. Robert Sala is entering next year. Dare I say on the hot seat. You can't miss the playoffs three straight seasons and expect to keep your job in the NFL, especially when now you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a, a, a great defense, you've got an improved offense. Uh, I would love to see them add another weapon. I know DeAndre Hopkins did said that he, you know, that he made that gesture that the Jets weren't a team that he was mm. interested in. But I would love to see them add another weapon. Robert Sala, last year, I thought sometimes struggled in the fourth quarter with his timeout situations. There's a lot of pressure going into this year. How do you feel about him? Oh, you said it. He is firmly on the hot seat. This is a result-oriented business. And while it's cold, and uh, that's just the nature of the beast, 
So it's getting the playoffs at a minimum, obviously, and the expectations could rise throughout the season with the Super Bowl expectations that we kind of started uh, the interview with. But, yeah, if Robert Sala somehow, Eric Mangini style in his third year, does not make the playoffs, similar to that first year of Brett Favre, Mangini got fired and then they moved on to the Rex Ryan era. That could easily happen to Robert Sala. And, heck, I would even tie Joe Douglas in while I think he's done a remarkable job We've talked about in Jets history, the head coach and GM have to be on that same level and same tandem. They're kind of all in on this Rodgers thing. So, again, they have to prove it. They have to be all in. So I think he is on the hot seat. And to your point, I mean, so many games last year, the end of the Lions game where he waited to use the timeout. Oh, my Lord. uh, There's just so many in history of Robert Sala here. And hopefully, again, he learned from his mistakes. But there have been some egregious ones, and they're going to be even more important, if I can say that. I mean, Chiefs, Cowboys, uh, Bills, to start the season, with Aaron Rodgers, you're going to be in a lot more one-score games. Those key decisions are going to be even more important when you have a quarterback of that magnitude. Yeah, Brock Wright is still running from that uh, Jericho oh, 51-yard pass. That, that that was a crusher. That was a heartbreak uh, among many that we saw last year during that six-game losing streak. All right, let's move on to the Giants. Saquon, it, we, we see this week he came out, and he's clearly frustrated at all the leaking that's happening and feels like, you know, the negotiations are being smeared in a way tainted toward making the Giants look good and him not look so good. Right, this is the type of thing where I— both sides to me, I understand where they're coming from, and I don't really know that I can criticize any of them. Saquon Barkley understands that as a running back and just generally as a football player, this is shelf life. So he has to try to capitalize and get as much money as possible when he can get it, and what better time to do it than coming off of the your career high in rushing when you rushed for 1,312 yards last year and, oh, by the way, added 10 touchdowns. Whereas the Giants, the Giants are operating in a league where we just don't value the running back as much as we did in the past. And you could actually argue it's the most disrespected position maybe in all mm-hmm. of sports. So, like, what's your read on the Saquon and Giants situation? You mentioned it with the interview at the charity event that even the thought of potentially pulling a Le'Veon Bell and maybe even holding out the gear, while that may sound crazy to some, I'm Saquon Barkley. I threaten that. Why? When I look at the Giants running back room, Matt Breida, Gary Brightwell, Jashawn Corbin, Eric Gray, who even are these people? They feel like made-up Madden-created players. <laughs> I'm Saquon Barkley. I'm looking at that room saying, yeah, pay me. Because to your point, you know, running back is this devalued position. As a former running back, this hurts me deeply. But I will say, Saquon Barkley is arguably the most important running back to his team uh, to any offense in the entire NFL. Maybe Derrick Henry, yeah. you could argue, is, is in that same category. But besides that, he is the straw that stirs the drink. And he, obviously, coming off that remarkable year last year, and now he's hanging in the ethos with this uh, franchise tag situation. If I'm the Giants, I pay him. You know, again, we have to take Saquon at his word uh, that he doesn't want to reset the market. That's Christian McCaffrey territory at $16 million per year. Then let's give him a fair three-, four-year deal construction. It's paying him like $13 million a year. It's right in the middle. He's important to the Giants. The Giants are obviously important to Saquon. He wants to retire there. 
But, like, look at the rest of this offense. I, I mean, I get it. Daniel Jones is coming off a nice year. But I mentioned the running back room, initiate the gag reflex. And then look at the wide receivers. Like, well, who are the playmakers on this team that all of a sudden are going to step up if somehow Saquon Barkley was out? When I read these wide receiver names, I feel in the same way that I just did about the running back room. Paris Campbell, Jamison Crowder, Isaiah Hodgins, Jalen Hyatt. Like, come on, people. I'm looking at these names. I'm wondering where. Where's the number one wide receiver on this group? People are trying to convince me of all this. There's like 15 guys in this roster, and if it was a quantity contest, maybe they'd get somewhere. But where's the quality? Saquon Barkley, they got to pay the man. He is this offense. Yeah, and if you are looking to maximize the talent that you have at your quarterback who you just paid, then it would necessitate you having to bring back his his best weapon, and that's Saquon Barkley. But I do understand Shane and Dable trying to operate responsibly and not overpaying for a position that we simply in this league don't seem to value as much when you see what's happened you know, historically, when you give those big contracts to running backs, look at Zeke Elliott, look at Dalvin Cook, you know, look at sure. oh, look at you know Christian McCaffrey, did, no longer plays for the team that gave him the big contract. So I I understand yeah. both sides, which is what makes it really tricky. All right, let's go to the NFC, um, the NFC playoff picture. So we know like the Niners, we know the Eagles, uh, and we know the Cowboys are three playoff teams. How how do you right now see the rest of uh, of the picture shaking out? And, and, and the reason why I ask is because the Giants obviously are a team that's competing out there. Like, what probability do you have of them being able to to maintain that position as a playoff team? Because a lot of people have them taking a step back. Well, I just got to say the Giants have to thank their lucky stars that they're in this NFC conference because there is a lot of grist. I mean, you mentioned a few that are, again, going to be favored in a lot of different respects and expected to punch their tickets in, whether it's the Eagles. The 49ers obviously have the weird quarterback situation, but the rest of the roster is super talented. I, we were talking about regression earlier uh, for potentially the Jets' defense. Like the Vikings, they seem to be like the luckiest team. Four-leaf oh, clover yeah. shoved so far up, you know what? So they see, and obviously dumping Dalvin Cook and then looking at this, all these pieces they could sell off. Vikings look like a team that's going to fall off. Obviously, the Giants smacked that Vikings team. Uh, if you go back to the playoffs last year of winning that playoff game. So there's a couple of those teams that all of a sudden you maybe hit the eject button on and spots open up potentially for the Giants. The good news is that the NFC conference is not great. You still have teams like the Cardinals and the Rams and the the Falcons, who I just don't believe in, the NFC South in general, if you kind of go through that entire uh, landscape. So, yeah, uh, Eagles, sure, 49ers continue to get the benefit of the doubt. The Cowboys, obviously, are uh, super talented. There's a place, obviously, in my opinion, for the Giants. I think the Seattle Seahawks of Geno Smith, I don't think that was a fluke. I think they're obviously going to be in the mix. A lot of people high on the Lions, with obviously the Packers being – kind of kicked out of the door with Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets. I'm not so sure I believe in the Jordan Love train, which obviously opens things up uh, there from the NFC North. And then there's just, like I said, beyond that, I don't believe in Washington or, or Carolina or some of these other teams. So I think there's just kind of a strong top 1% we talked about with like the Eagles. And then there's a lot of room to grow. So while the Giants could have a step back, obviously the Saquon thing could be a big part of this uh, factor. I still think the Giants could go right around where they went last year, which is 9-7-1. and one. If they're in that same conversation, I think they're very much in the playoff picture. You know what I'm low-key rooting for? The Saints mm. to struggle next year. 
I got so I got so annoyed. And this is not even an anti Derek Carr take. This is an anti take uh, of those who tried to really convince themselves that Derek Carr was a better option at quarterback for the Jets than Aaron freaking Rodgers. Oh my gosh! I mean, these people actually walk the earth and are able to, like, you know, breathe and like, clap their hands at the same time. <laughs> it's, it's it's ridiculous that you would ever, ever have that opinion that you wanted Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers because he was too much of a drama queen. So I'm low-key rooting for the yeah. Saints to struggle next year and Aaron Rodgers to do well. Uh, real quick, you know yeah. what? Something else that annoyed me that I wanted to run past you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw Andy Reid and the Chiefs uh, at the White House. So here's Andy Reid at the White House. He says, nobody yeah. le- nobody believed in us before. I'm sure it's going to be that same way this time, and we come out and prove them wrong. Travis Kelsey also wow. tried to play the underdog card after they won the uh-huh. Super Bowl. Nobody yeah. believed in the Chiefs? Like, what's happening here? Like, what, what, what are these guys talking about no one believed in them? They got Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. How are you playing the <laughs> underdog card? That, that makes no sense. None whatsoever. That that would be like that. Say. That would be like yeah. when Miami with with LeBron Wade and Bosch. Right. Like had yeah. they had they not lost in 2011, they beat the Mavs, and they're like you know mm-hmm. what, nobody believed in. What like what are you talking about? I would just laugh if Andy Reid came into the locker room like last year at any point during the season for that matter, but obviously they end up winning the Super Bowl and goes, guys, it's us against the world. I would have laughed. It would have felt fake. It would have felt ingenuine. When Travis Kelsey, again, we're watching the postgame celebrations in the Super Bowl, and he's barking all this stuff at the mic, no one believed in us, Chiefs, Kingdom, and I'll suck against the world. I'm like, what in God's green earth? Like, they just won their first Super Bowl in a long time, obviously a handful of years ago, and then Mahomes cashes in ring number two it's disrespectful and and i hope that andy reed it's just fluff to us on the outside and we're laughing at it i hope they didn't really go in the locker room and sell this nonsense to anybody it's fake it's garbage it's ingenuine quite frankly again it's always great we talked about the giants earlier come on like the initial giants run where eli manning gets in and they get hot and they went on the road they're beating the john Gruden tampa bay buccaneers team like okay they're like getting into the playoffs as a wild card team and making things happen. Like, okay, fine. There, there's a story, and there have been stories historically. But let's not force a square peg into a round hole. Come on, Chiefs. Give us a little bit more respect. It was insulting, quite frankly. <laughs> Listen, Paul, uh, so the Jets actually, I don't know if you know this, they make two trips to Vegas next year. They've got the Raiders. Mm-hmm. They've got the, I believe that's a Sunday night football game. they got that's the correct. Raiders. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. last weekend of the NFL season, they're gonna be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna make I love two, it. they're gonna make two trips to Vegas next year. So for the second of the two trips, I think we gotta meet up and and maybe do do another uh, n- another interview with you. Okay, let's line it up. Tell your people, ESPN, uh, just to book our tickets right now because obviously it's a foregone <laughs> conclusion that that's where the Jets gonna end up. So make sure we just get seats next to each other in first class. If you can, I, I know you can swing that. This is the Ty Butler show for Pete's sake. <laughs> So just make sure you get that in. I'd appreciate that. Paul Esden Jr., he's at Boy Green 25 does a remarkable job covering the Jets for heavy sports. He's got his morning show with the man-child in Syracuse uh, from 10 to noon on their airwaves. So really appreciate you joining the show, man. It's been a long time. 
Hopefully everything is good to you, uh, good with you. And by the way, happy early Father's Day, man. Happy early Father's Day. Same to you. Yes, absolutely, man. So you're a superstar. Thanks for having me on the show. I just told my, uh, you know, I got my people, my secretary over in the corner. I already told them to book the interview, so you're locked in. I, I know I'm a busy, popular guy, but uh, <laughs> we locked in uh, that radio interview for Super Bowl week. So we're all set there. Yeah, let's do it, man. Enjoy the festivities. I'll talk to you later, bro. All right. God bless, man. Badly up against the clock right now. We will do some correction. Hour number four of this radio program coming at you when we get back. Right here on 98.7 ESPN. Ty gosh darn Butler, baby. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.